So welcome back, Blockheads, to another edition of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the most important person in the game, the Dungeon Master. The only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all of the players at your table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Chris. And I'm Dungeon Master Mitch. And today we are talking about the fun in failure. We're talking about how to make it fun and how to use it in such a way that makes the game fun all around. And to join us in that conversation, we are having Josh Lormer from the Sneak Attack podcast, who plays Greg Stronghammer, but we will talk to him in just a little bit. Before we do that, we have some five-star reviews from iTunes. So Mitch, why don't you start us out? Our first one comes from Inkbrush, and it is entitled Great Resource, Great Personalities. Five stars. I stumbled across DMB a few months ago, and I can't recommend it enough for other DMs. DMing can be a very lonely hobby compared to gaming in general, and it can be hard to find other points of view to help you grow and learn. Thank goodness for the Dungeon Master's Block. The ideas are always good, and the hosts are always worth listening to. Having ready-made ideas I can drop into my game is a priceless resource. I also love the breadth of ideas presented from dramatic and serious to fun and goofy. The show is constantly covering ground and giving me more to think about as a GM. One last thing. These guys also operate a wonderful forum full of like-minded individuals. It's super useful, super fun, and helps keep me thinking about how to improve my game between episodes. I'll be listening for as long as the DMB crew keeps making the show. I'm hooked. Thank you so much, Ink Inkbrush. That's some really, really encouraging words. And thank you for uh, being a member of our forums and in that review, giving a call out and saying, hey, if you're not on the forums, get on there because we are so happy of all the DMs that are on there and the priceless resource that that is. So it's not only a shout out to us, but also to the forum users. So yes. forum users, you rock. The next review we have is from Andrew DM Noob, and it says, Got me hooked. Five stars. I stumbled across this podcast shortly after I played my first session of D&D. Six months later, and I've listened to all of the episodes and have started my own homebrew campaign with a group of friends who are also new to D&D. I am hopelessly addicted. D&D is all I think about, and I blame <laughs> you guys for it. <laughs> nice. I mean that in the best way possible, of course. Your suggestions and advice are awesome, if sometimes strange, looking at you, food mage, and especially helpful <laughs> for a new DM like me. Thank you for what you do, and keep up the good work. So, Andrew, DM noob, I don't think you're such a noob. This is a great review, so thank you so much for, for letting us know how we have helped you out a little bit more along your DM journey. Yeah, thank you so much. And with that, let's head into the meat of the episode. I'm starving. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat. Back on menu, All right, so today for the meet, we are joined by Joshua Lormer, player of the actual play podcast Sneak Attack, also known as Grayic Stronghammer. So, Josh, we are so thankful that you are coming to be a part of the Dungeon Masters Block podcast for the day. So, thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm glad. I've uh, I've been following you guys for a while, and I really enjoy what you guys do. So, I'm I'm pumped that I get to be a part of an, <laughs> an episode. And I and I love that you're here because Grayic never fails at anything, right? <laughs> That's that's the case. He never uh, he doesn't get black things on his foot or miss with his throwing hammer at yeah, all. He never no. <laughs> throws it through a dimensional portal. Nothing nothing like that, right? Oh man, no. I you know like when I made Greyk, my whole idea was I'm gonna make a character that is the one that always pulls the lever. You oh, know what I mean? Know like he's mean. the guy that like. <laughs> Like Gronk, pull the lever. Yeah, Gronk lever. <laughs> like you just, you just do, 
whenever there's that situation, you know, like we had one, we we're going through a cave and there's this like beehive up top and they're like, okay, don't, <laughs> don't hit the, oh no, it was a, it was a spider's nest. It was it was a spider's don't nest, hit the spider's yeah. nest. And I just, I hit spider's nest. Like, what do you expect? Don't to tell do? me like, that's not what, to do it. That's why Greg And then the exists. wagon caught on fire and a whole bunch of the food truck or whatever you wanted to hey, do. At, least, at yeah. least you're consistent, yeah. right? We're really happy to have you here, like Chris said. Can you start off by just telling the listeners just a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, first of all, I'm a, I'm a mega nerd. I'm not like the best when it comes to like like little bits of information about nerdy stuff, but I'm interested in about every nerdy thing. So there's any anything nerdy you can think of, I can probably be go toe to toe with you on wanting to talk about it. Especially like 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 tabletop games, video games, books. I'm a huge fan, and especially things that pertain to the fantasy genre. I'm also I'm a videographer by trade, and so I love stories. I love telling stories. And so when I learned about D&D, it was a really natural progression for me to like, it was really easy for me to understand how cool this game is, that it's basically like some kind of this really unique form of interactive group storytelling that I don't think exists in any other medium. It's just, it's so I, I, I absolutely love it. It, it clearly comes out when you play your character, Greg, that you are loving the fact that there is story being told throughout everything that you do whether it's intentionally serious or you know just a little bit you know silly at the same time but can you tell us a little bit about that character Greyick? wait wait sure. can we uh, can we pause here for a second because i don't think the i think the listeners would be upset yeah. if we didn't ask you to tell us as Greyick. you should tell us about Greyick as Greyick. i think the <laughs> listeners would be upset if we didn't ask that <laughs> see uh, my wife, which I should mention this real quick. My yep. wife plays D and D with me very regularly. We're we're she's not as nerdy as me, but man, she I brought her down to my level, and it's been wonderful. But she's awesome. If you listen to the podcast, you'll hear her. She's very she's very quick to uh, shut me down, and, uh, and she's the one that keeps you guys all on track. Exactly. Like I I am nothing but grateful for her. So okay. Here's the deal. Like my wife would say that that people would be annoyed if I said it like great. Well, we're we are ask, here asking you to annoy people right now. <laughs> All right, uh, Reed and Kelsey, you guys can uh, you guys can plug your ears for this. <laughs> Greyek Stronghammer is a, a dwarf eldritch knight. He was the son of Brigand Stronghammer in the Isle of Vorsted, on <laughs> in in the city of Burgas. After committing a, a heinous act, he was banished from his land to uh, the not dwarven isle of Norwich, and that's kind of where that's where he kind of picks up his story in our podcast. That's awesome. He came from the city of burgers. Are there lots mm-hmm. of burgers there? <laughs> no, it's. <laughs> I know. It's Burgess. Uh, is there a restaurant in Burgess uh, named Burgess Burgers? No, but there is a Burgess King. That. <laughs> so, is fantastic. Reed is very, very, very uh, creative <laughs> with his names. <laughs> all right, so we have all the fans of Greyick, of course, listening right now. So what I was hoping was that you, Josh, could tell us something about Greyick that has never, ever, on Sneak Attack, on other podcasts, never been told before. Give us something new about Greyick. Is it, 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 does it got to be well, juicy? Like we're uh, looking juicy for really juicy here. Uh, if you're making this up on the spot, then I think you need to just realize that it is going to be canon from here on out. <laughs> but juicy's good. Uh, I, I think everybody would love juicy. Okay, I'm. I have a lot of information about Greg that I haven't said, so I'm. I'm what, trying to what just debate what to, what to tell, what not to tell. <laughs> we'll go with one that's light. This isn't. 
I have I have a story and uh, like a narrative one, like yeah. one that fits in with his story. But I also have one that ha- has nothing to do with any story or anything. All right, let's hear it. Greyk Stronghammer, who always wields a warhammer, a maul, and a and a light hammer. He loves axes, hmm. but no nobody knows that. He never talks about that. He man, a good axe that would be. He would love that, but he yeah? but. Yeah, but you can't you can't be like strong hammer. You know what I mean? You can't be like strong hammer doesn't. Does he kind of feel like he has to like carry the burden of using a hammer because of his name? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got a he's got like it's it's like his it's like that's his that's his whole deal. So it's like if 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 Greg Stronghammer picks up an axe, you kind of lose the whole point of <laughs> of Stronghammer, right? Like that's the whole that's but his he always heritage. wants to. So, oh man. Yeah, I would say he. He loves he loves axes and swords, but <laughs> I just imagine like Greg Stronghammer Hammer growing up like with his parents, and like for every birthday they'd like wrap like a clearly obvious like wrapping of like a hammer, and Greg just sitting there like, all right, I have to act like I like this, <laughs> even though I've been wanting an axe for the longest time. Yeah. Now <laughs> hammers are like his bad sweaters from grandma for Christmas. <laughs> well, it's yeah, it's it's more like it's the family trade. You know what I mean? You got to do yeah. and. And I, I should say that his his mall, I, I'm gonna exempt that from everything because he loves his mall more than mm. any other weapon in existence. But it's like gotcha. if he could have his big old mall, which the the name of his mall is Maelstrom. If he could have Maelstrom and then a, like an axe and an awesome sword, he would be just like overjoyed. But I really <laughs> hope that we hear a sneak attack episode now where Greyk somehow gets to use an axe. And like, I almost hope that you don't really go into it so that everybody who's listening to this podcast knows in that moment that there is a deep, like deep emotional pull going on in Greg. He's he someone walks in on him cutting something with a sword and he's like, it wasn't yeah. me. Some NPC just asks you to go outside and chop some wood and you're just like, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> And everybody's like, you can't chop wood with a hammer, Greg. My lot in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should get half maul, half axe and be in the best world. Therefore, you never... A ham axe. Yeah. A ham axe. That's a a throwback to the Dwarven episode that we did a few back. The The ham axe. The ham axe sounds like something you would use with pork. Does that make sense? <laughs> well, you could use an axe with pork, I guess. Like you want to make the best, you want to make the best like like pork chops in the world. You got to use the ham axe because <laughs> you could tenderize it yeah. and you could chop it at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it's genius. Yeah. So Josh, tell us a little bit. You know, we've we've talked about sneak attack and how you play D and D there. Mm-hmm. What was your first experience and how did you get started into D and D? So it's kind of funny, and I I we we talk about this in our in our mailbag episode on sneak attack, but I came up with. D and D, like uh, this sounds really. This is gonna sound really cocky. I remember this, but yeah. <laughs> I, like, I, I was sitting down with Reed. We had maybe been friends for like three months, and I, and I told him, I said, I have this idea for a game, and I was hoping you could help me like work on it. And so he's like, sure. So we sat down, and I'm like laying it out. To him, I'm like, okay, there's this, there's this gridded board, and you have all these different characters, but each of them have a different like specialty. So like, someone's playing like an archer, and someone's playing like a dwarf. And I'm, I'm drawn from like Lord of the Rings. You know what I mean? I at this point, I was not deep into like 
uh, Ari Salvatore or like anything Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons. And so I'm explaining all this to him. I was like, and when you're fighting, you use dice to determine who wins. Like, and he goes, <laughs> he goes, you realize you're like that's D and D. Like you're talking about D and D. I go, that's not that's not D and D. Reed. D and D is some kind of demons thing from the '90s that like <laughs> that we were told was evil. And so like I don't. I saw <laughs> a Tom Hanks movie. I know what D and D is. <laughs> so. <laughs> so then he starts explaining to me and then I was I was like, well, heck, I mean, I came up I want to play the game that I already came up with in my head, right? Like I like it's got to be good. So I, so we play and oh my gosh, it was so we were playing 4th edition and I'm coming from like heavy video games background, which is perfect yeah. for 4th edition. Yep. It's incredibly tactile. It's all about like you have there's tons of damage and tons of health and tons of actions to choose from. But uh, man, like I, I just immediately fell in love. And Reed was our Reed was our DM for that, and, and it was just us. And it was actually myself, uh, the guy who plays uh, Sherwood, and the guy who plays Akio on our on Sneak Attack. It was the the three of us and a couple other friends. And Reed was was the dungeon master, and I I was hooked. I was like super hooked. We nice. played every week for probably a couple years. Then that group died out, and Reed and I started another group, and that's when I started DMing, and I we brought in a couple other people. So then I got to I got to be dungeon master, created my own world, and did all that. And that was that's and that was when we started doing we did we did Pathfinder for a couple months, and then we moved over to Fifth Edition once it came out. And I love Fifth Edition Dungeons and Dragons; <laughs> it is perfect. So yeah, it that is. was I'm mean, not perfect, but it's dang near close it's pretty so, awesome yeah. and the emphasis so on storytelling is yeah it's just mm-hmm. great yeah mm-hmm. so basically what i learned from that story is you were about 40 years behind <laughs> the curve on your in, in on your invention yeah exactly i was too late it was too late it was like yeah that's yeah. Um, i'll have it I'll, I'll have another idea sometime i'll come up with something before somebody <laughs> we'll see oh yeah. man all right so we have of course like we do for every guest a surprise question for you, Josh. And okay. so here is your surprise question. If you were born as a D&D dragon, what type of D&D dragon would you be and why? And this question is brought to you by your one nightmare from our Patreon dragon only section of our forums. I want to make sure this is really clear. I don't. I don't think super highly of myself before I start going. <laughs> I just I feel like like I keep talking about these things. I'm <laughs> I'm incredibly self-deprecating, and that's that's not so. I feel like people who say that aren't, but I am. Like I'm fat and I love nerdy stuff. <laughs> However, I would probably be a, a gold dragon. I, I feel I would probably be a gold dragon. I'm I'm incredibly law, like lawful good. It would probably be that's every character almost every character I play is lawful good the times that i deviate it's hard for me almost to play like the 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 jerky you know selfish yeah. greed, greedy characters <laughs> so i i would probably be lawful good which i which in my head i picture gold dragons and fire and like all that stuff like if i mm-hmm. if i if i were if i were leading a pokemon gym let me say it in this way <laughs> if i were leading a pokemon gym my i would it would be a fire gym like i'd have a magmar nice. and you know growlith and charizard and all that stuff that would be so you live on cinnabar island it'd be a majestic <laughs> lifestyle <laughs> great yes. you could search for missing no all the time yes so <laughs> i would say i would say golden dragon cuz i'm lawful good and i love the fire element so i'm also i'm a redhead so i got to represent the you know like <laughs> that's that's like we're associated with fire right there you go but we will just make it known uh, that you made the right choice with Pokemon Go and you went with Team Mystic. So well yes. done. Even though you're redhead and you would run a fire gym. Yes. 
You went with the wise choice, my friend. <laughs> so today, Josh, we asked you to come on to our show as a dungeon master and as a player. We're yeah. looking for just your opinion on the topic. And this is the topic that you really wanted to discuss. The idea that failure in a Dungeons and Dragons game, in a role-playing game, failure can be a fun thing, an extremely fun thing. I think you would even say sometimes failure is the most fun thing that can happen in a role-playing game. And so I guess to start off, let's let's talk about, I think there is a shift in, in gaming that fun in failure is something that's being embraced and has been embraced by others in the past. But there definitely is a negative view of failure in a mm -hmm. in a role playing game. And so let's just talk about that viewpoint to start off with and like what that viewpoint entails and the thoughts behind that. Real, real quick before before I answer that, can I can I quick say like like I did not come up with the fun of failure. I sent you like a laundry <laughs> list of information. This is all my thoughts on D and D. Da da You're like, just give me some ideas. I threw them on you, and you go, what I feel like I'm getting from this is that failure's fun, <laughs> and and it just <laughs> it, it cracked me up because because you you were you like you diagnosed me perfectly. <laughs> it was really it when I. When I told my when I when I told my current D and D group, I was like, "So yeah, so so Mitch wants to do he wants to do an episode. Mitch and Chris they want to do an episode on the fun of failure. They all lost it. They're like, oh, it's perfect for you. <laughs> Thanks, <Nice. laughs> Thanks, guys. Well, you're you're off to a good start because I was giving you the credit and you're already failing to take the credit. So well done, Josh. <laughs> it's everything everybody else already knows about you. Yeah. Yes. You just haven't come up with that. Just you know that. <laughs> that on your own way yeah. to prove yourself right out the gate man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful gosh. wonderful it's like mitch i fail to see it that way actually <laughs> yeah all right so, so yeah let's talk about this negative viewpoint like i think a lot of players especially and i think gms and that's definitely something that i know josh you wanted to talk about both sides the player side yeah. of like a positive look and the DM side is a positive look, but let's talk about like, why is it seen by DMS and his players like, and in a negative viewpoint a lot. I think, I think a lot of that stems from our desire to want to win. Like, yeah. And, and a lot of things and tons of people are competitive. And even when you're not competitive, like winning feels good and nobody wants to play a game where you just get a, a, a participation trophy. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. I, th I think especially when it comes from like from people who love sports or people who love games, like winning and losing is such it's such a a part of our even maybe our like culture and our society that it, we just kind of we we end up we end we end up stamping it on top of everything that's maybe that's maybe not. So like I'll, I'll play games where like even outside D&D &D, where the goal is just to have fun with the game. But then you have people who are who are shooting down other people's ideas and, and stopping stuff, saying, "No, that's not that's not a good one. Let's do this one." But it's not that's not the point. The point's to have fun. And and I think when 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 you look at D and D as a win or lose game, which that's been one of the funniest things. I was talking to my dad, trying to explain D and D to him, and he goes, "But how do you win?" <laughs> he keeps asking me, "But how do you win?" Yep, it's a game, so you have yeah. to win, right? Yeah. Like, it's that's... like, so <laughs> does anybody lose? Like, what's the like? When does it end? And it's like that's the like like everybody wins or everybody loses. Like you're either all it's either going to suck for everybody or you're all going to have a blast. Yep. And I think that's the, that's, that's the, the way you have to, if you're going to look at it through winning and losing, that's the way you got to look at it. That we, we get this mindset that I, I have to defeat this guy. I have to win this battle because once I, once I defeat this enemy, then I've won. And I can, I can say I, I, I won this encounter, but 
but what's what's the most interesting thing that could happen? You know what I mean? What's the most engaging thing, and what's going to be, and 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 what would your character do more than that? Rather than it being about you're this little winner, this little lose in this certain encounter, I like the idea of it being about the grander story that's being told. That it's it's not so much about winning or losing. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned before that you started playing fourth edition, and as a video game player, someone who is like loves video games that that was something that you were like you really could relate to it right away with but it, like that's something i think that a lot of gamers when they're starting off i think they have that mindset of like mm-hmm. they're coming from some other sort of gaming usually whether it's video games whether it's board games and so a lot of people who are playing rpgs like it's not the first time they've played a game but like whether it's sports board games video games like there mm-hmm. is a definite definite more strong opinion and more strong reality i think with failure in those types of games like if you fail a quest in skyrim or in mario or in a game of pandemic like i mean yes there can be a degree of fun uh, to that mm-hmm. i know for me like a competitive board game isn't fun if you succeed every time because that just means it's easy and i like there to be this competitive difficult aspect of it but there is a more real degree to if you're playing a video game if you're playing a board game and you lose and you fail like it's not as fun as like winning and being like oh man i totally i totally defeated that i conquered that and it's it's different though when it comes to RPGs, And I think especially because video games and board games have a definite end in sight to them, whether it's an end to a quest or a board game is normally a lot shorter. And so it's like there's an hour or so long game and then it's like you either fail or you succeed. And a lot of board games are you fail because one other person succeeded. And so it's like one person won, everybody else failed. And I I should clarify, like you will win and you will lose within the game. But it's understanding that that's not that's not the the ultimate like the end the end all be all of D and D. It's not always about winning and about losing. It's about the struggle and the the story that gets told. And sometimes you learn more about a character through the failure than you do about through the victory. I think that what we're talking about a lot now really comes to play when we're talking about like players in in a RPG game, like yes. playing and like failing, like crit wanting and i'd like to talk at some point about crit ones and crit fumbles because i think that's a definite part of failure that uh, i think we can all talk about and relate to and i know we've had listeners write in in the past and be very pro crit fumble and be very anti crit fumble and so it'll Mm -hmm. be interesting to talk about that at some point but like with this player side there's also side to the dm like we're Mm -hmm. sitting and like we're running the game and whether it's actions of players that like or ideas of players that's like, oh, it's totally taking our game into a different direction or they just one shot killed my boss or whatever it is. There can be, let's be honest, as DMs, there can be a sense of like that went completely awry from what I was planning. And sometimes we have this feeling of complete and total failure. And sometimes it's warranted because they're was something we planned and we're like oh now that doesn't make sense for that to happen and this was something i really wanted to happen it was so cool but i think that's warranted sometimes that feeling of failure Mm -hmm. 
But on the flip side, I think, I mean, how do we, how do we look at that as, as people who are running a game as DMS, when things don't go the way that we're planning, when we're rolling terrible, I know like that's something that's a, a big factor too, is do DMS fudge die? Like if uh-huh. they're completely failing all the time. So what are you guys thoughts on that? I'll say this. I, I walk away from pretty much every night and feel like it was a failure. <laughs> like just because there's there's so many things that like I spend so much time planning and if something doesn't go the right way, I'm like, oh, I failed. I failed. <laughs> Luckily, I work with my brother uh, on a regular basis pretty much every day. And so like the day after we get done, he's like, oh, man, this part of it was so cool. And I'm like, well, that wasn't something I planned, but that was awesome. You know, and so there's there's a portion of it where. I fail all the time at things, whether it's like I had this person's voice planned and it comes out and everybody just starts laughing. I'm like, no, this is supposed to be a really like cool NPC. <laughs> and now everybody just thinks he's a little like a little pushover because his voice is so weird or whatever, you know, he or she. And uh, there's there's so many things that like I'll take notes while I'm behind the screen now because I used to like the first like probably six times that I DM'd, I was like, wow, I'm not good at this at all. And I would just take notes of like all the things that I felt like I was doing wrong. And this might not be the approach for some people at all. Uh, but for me, what helped was I just like, I would write down like not so much dice rolls. Cause those are completely like, you can't, you can't do anything about those unless you fudge them. But I would write down like, okay, maybe this person's voice wasn't the right way. So, you know, try it, work on it, you know, whatever, make it, make it so it works. Or, you know, this, this plot didn't work out the same way you did. Well, maybe you can tweak that and, introduce it at a later time in a different way because I had experience doing it. Like the, the hardest thing for me was, this was to overcome that feeling of failure because I was new at it because I had never done this before. And I'm sure that that doesn't get any easier, but yeah, that was, that was my experience. I just felt like a failure all the time (laughs) when I, when I first started and still when I DM to this day, but. Well, I think, I think as a, as a DM, there's, there's multiple types of failure. You've got like where you actually failed at something you were trying to accomplish in game where like, you know, they were supposed to fall for this trap or the, the half dragon was supposed to like not die, you know, and, or, or, or different elements like that. And then you, but then you outside of that on a broader scope, you've got actually failing as a DM. You've got like where your players are walking away, looking incredibly just bored out of their minds and, it wasn't or pissed a pissed off. Yeah, it, it wasn't a fun experience. That, yeah. yeah, and so and you walk away going like, "Wow, that was a huge waste of time." And I remember when I, I was when I was DMing our our first fifth edition game. At one point, I I tried to do a war scene like where there's a big war going on, and I made I I had I had not planned half as much as you probably should have, and it ended up just being a lot of npc interaction with npc which is the worst like cyclical <laughs> toilet hole you can get yourself into yep. as a, it as a feels dm so <laughs> weird to do yep uh, so so that was and i'm just I, i'm having conversations with myself and looking around the table going this was a bad idea like this is why is this happening right now so i i started trashing it halfway through and i think we maybe kind of redeemed the session but to me and it all is kind of dependent on your perspective is is, is my success with something I'm trying to accomplish in-game more paramount than my players walking away feeling like they they had an awesome experience and they have stories to tell and and, and experiences to share? Like, the, it, was the game itself successful? And I think that's something that a lot of DMs can probably relate to is this feeling of walking away and 
feeling failure, whether it's a lot or whether it's like on certain nights. And I think especially the more that we care about a game or a particular session, the more there is going to be a chance by the end of that night or the end of that day or wherever it is that you're playing, like that you walk away with this feeling of like frustration and failure because something didn't go the way you had hoped or the way you had planned. I am positive that like even the greats like Chris Perkins have days where they walk away and they're like, man, that that did not go the way I expected, the way I wanted. I'm sure Matt Mercer has moments like that. Um, I'm sure it helps that that show is highly edited. So that's awesome. And they're like, <laughs> it's like, all right, well, <laughs> but like, yeah, it's like I'm sh- everybody feels that way. And I think it's like exactly what you guys were saying, like that. How do you take that? Do you take it and do you just kind of like walk home with your hands in your pockets and kicking a can on the road along the way and grumbling to yourself? Or do you go, all right, maybe that didn't go as well as I I expected. And so what do I learn from this experience? And Chris, you mentioned like talking to Casey about it. Like, do we talk to our players about it? And I think we need that in the sense of get it being reaffirmed that like maybe we're just being our own biggest critics and like we need to take a step back and be like, they still had fun. And part of that was because I let myself fail. And I think that's something that as GMs and DMs, we need to do is let ourselves fail sometimes. And we can learn from that failure, not just be like, I suck. I I got, I want to quit this, but like, Oh, well, how do I make this better? Or do I even need to make things better? Like, was that failure actually a good thing as my players were concerned with that? And you guys have said this before on your show, but it's it's on the DM to know their players to to yeah. to, to understand the table and to know like what what's going to be a, a a fun experience for this for this group, and so you know you're not gonna you're not gonna expand the on on how vast the the economic system of your world is if your players aren't interested in the economy. You could try, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think we have to like as DMs. I think that when we're running a game. I think a lot of DMs out there would like their players to be able to take hold of this idea that failure doesn't mean that everything sucks, that it doesn't mean it's like there's fun in failure. Mm -hmm. But I think the first thing that we have to get into our own minds with that is we need to take our own advice. And when things don't go the way that we're planning, because the players are being creative or let's be honest, because the players just want to have a goofy night and think they're just doing ridiculous things like we have to be okay with things not going exactly the way we planned and like going uh, astray. And honestly, I know Chris, you have said this many times on occasions and I know I can echo this. I'm sure Josh, you can echo this as well, but sometimes when players pull us in a whole different direction and we're just left improving and stuff, there's a lot of different ways that we can kind of think, take a step back, think about it and go, this isn't actually ruining my story. My story can mm-hmm. still happen. My ideas can still happen, but now we're just adding more to the story and we're adding goofy moments. We're adding fun. And really this, this is more just building it up and I can keep that moment in place. There's a lot of times where it's like, does that need to happen right at this second when the players want to do something else like yep. rolling with the punches and just allowing failure to sometimes happen. And that fail, it doesn't even, sometimes it seems like failure, but it's not even failure. Yep. There's been many times like what you just said, Mitch, where like you guys would be coming to a table and it's like, all right, everything that I just wrote is out the window because you guys, <laughs> you know, we just, we didn't want to go that way. And there's been multiple times where it's like, you guys came up against an NPC that, 
was just supposed to be somebody that's thrown in and there was supposed to be a different NPC who had the whole plot hook like ready to go like that was the person that was going to take you to the next level and you guys just bonded with that person more I was like well this is this is like you're supposed to move on from this person this wasn't supposed to be the thing that you were or the person you were supposed to go with but instead like in that moment I had this really cool NPC planned I just said, forget about it. Like, it it doesn't matter at this point. It's not going to be fun because the players are looking to spend more time with this person. And so I'm going to make the plot hook happen that way rather than the way it was supposed to happen. And it, like, it, it could be seen as a failure. Like, I could have totally seen that as like, oh, I had this person all planned out. Like, it's not going to work the way I wanted to. But instead, it's kind of a win-win for both of us because you get a sweet NPC that you, as the player, want to walk around with and me as the DM... I still get to tell the same story that I wanted to. It might not be exactly the same, but it's going to be this pretty much the same exact thing with another win added in on top of that. And it all came out of failure. Yeah. Mitch, you mentioned Chris Perkins, and I and he's such a great example of a good dungeon master. If you've seen any of his Acquisitions Incorporated gameplay, mm-hmm. uh, diff- the different like PAX East, PAX West, he'll one of my favorite things he'll do, I mean, he's playing with incredibly creative players. You've got the Penny Arcade guys and Patrick Rothfuss, who's an incredible writer, and they come up with these ideas for what their characters can do to solve situations that are just incredibly game breaking. Like it's the, <laughs> it's it's like that. Wh- like that's, whenever there's a chandelier, man. Yeah, you know exactly. Crazy exactly. Is happen. And but rather than Chris going like, "No, that's not how the game that I made is supposed to be played," he says, "Make me fall in love with it. Like explain it to me in a way that I that I'm gonna love it. Like and that." That's such a better response for a dungeon master. Rather than going, that's not how I planned it. You're ruining my my idea. Going like, hey, make me fall in love with it. Like, like, like I like that you're being creative. I want to encourage that. I think it's a really cool way to approach your own ideas yeah. falling. With you saying that, it's like thinking about all those Acquisitions Incorporated games. I've never seen Chris Perkins in those uh, recordings ever look, have this look on his face like, Oh gosh, I just, I just, <laughs> oh man, these players just screwed up my plans. I am thrown for a loop. And I mean, he has so much experience and he's just so talented in that way. But that's, I mean, that's not me. I, I have to admit, like I have moments where I'm just like, a player will be like, and my players love, some of my players love high levels and mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of high levels. I don't love the fact that players can be like i gotta spell this level that's an easy solution for the issue that we are supposed to be dealing with in this campaign and i don't like oh, wind that walk for the wind. <laughs> yeah and so it's like for me i hear oh i have a spell that can fix that issue that you plan this whole encounter around or whatever <laughs> and i'm just like this is not good like this ruins my plans and like i have this moment of extreme like panic and like frustration and I really want that's something I really want to work on and I really want to be able to even just in a moment like that take a step back for myself and be like what what is this ruining Mm -hmm. and what what is this not ruining what can we like make out of this and and you know I think that like I am fully going on record as saying I think there are times where a dungeon master it is their right to say no but yeah. I think you have to be careful about how often you're saying no and what your purpose is for saying no and how often you saying no is saying to the players, I'm not allowing you to do your thing. I'm mm-hmm. not allowing you to have fun. And that's that's mm-hmm. a that's a dangerous line that I think we need to be sure that we don't yeah. cross. Yeah. So I have a question for you guys. I think for me, a lot of times where I feel failure the most is not necessarily around the role-playing moments. 
It's more along the lines of I planned this big encounter. They handled it super easily. And now I feel really frustrated because that encounter was supposed to be a really big deal and it really did nothing to them. And for me, that always feels like a failure. I don't know about you guys, but what do you do in that situation as a DM? Like, how do you handle that where there's this big encounter and I thought it was going to be strong enough and it just was not whatsoever? How do you guys handle that? The great thing as a dungeon master is it, it's a it's a it's a learn as you go kind of process. My my wife she DM'd her first game a couple months ago or like a month ago, and she had, she had planned out and I helped her do a lot of her planning. But she planned out this big hedge maze, right? This big hedge maze, and we spent so much time like like a good a good like couple hours her and I just mapping out. Okay, how do we how do we like use their wisdom to help them get lost? Like and you know how do we kind of like trick it so that so that two of them are thinking that that different directions are the right direction and create some of that like real how do you use the use the the details of the dungeon and dragons fifth edition game to create some of the the real life elements of feeling lost in a maze where you're traversing and it just the players just like whizzed right through it no problem with like you know they just turned left the whole time and finally got out totally just spammed (laughs) spammed the game and all this stuff all this time we play on this thing that we thought was gonna be really fun and really cool it just turned into a, and I remember her being being so disappointed about that. But, but what I love is is we can come back at that now and go, okay, like now that 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 didn't work, what was it that made it fall apart, and how could we maybe approach it next time? Like the great thing about DM is like you, if that hedge maze didn't work, that's not the only hedge maze you can have your characters experience. You know what I mean? Like it at some point a, another maze, maybe in a cave, can come up, and you're using some of the same statistics, but you've but you've you figured out you've learned more as to how you can approach that. So rather than viewing it as this failed experience, it's a wonderful learning opportunity for you to move forward. It's like, okay, awesome. Like praise your players for, for totally like wrecking your system, but, (laughs) uh, but, but let it like give you some knowledge in the future for maybe how you can approach that again and get, and maybe try and get a better, like one of the things Reed said one time was like, we, we missed some kind of encounter he had planned. But he goes, but you know what? It's my world. I can pick up that um, that encounter up and put it somewhere else. You know what I mean? Oh, I it's can... the pineapple gang. They're everywhere. Exactly. So, you know. <laughs> Which he told you guys there was the pineapple gang was not supposed yep. to even exist. Like, that <laughs> I know. Was like, I know. <laughs> Fun and failure, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I I totally have had that frustration so many times. I find that honestly, that frustration with battles and like. You want it to be, it's not that you're looking for the players to lose, like, right. but it's that you want the players and their PCs. And I like, I mean that both the players and the PCs. And I think honestly, even in that moment, the players, it's more important for me that they feel that that encounter that you're like, this is big. This is supposed to be scary that you want them to feel like it's big and you want them to feel scared and you want Mm -hmm. it to be this epic battle that like you're able to look back and be like, man, we almost didn't make it out of that battle. And so many times, especially with higher levels, it's just like people pull things out. And honestly, it's happened to me a lot in the last night of the campaign with the big bad. And that is very frustrating as a, as a DM to be like, I've built this up all campaign 
and they just totally demolished it. And and to see the players with like these faces like, oh, we're destroying this thing right now. <laughs> like this is supposed to be the big boss. Like whatevs. That's and that's frustrating. And I think I, I think in the past, like my answer would be like, oh, well, I, you know, I didn't necessarily roll as many nat 20s as I said I did. But I find uh, the more that I DM, I ha- am moving further and further away from fudging dice rolls. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't do it anymore. And I do want to just say, as I say that, that I don't necessarily think that fudging dice rolls is something that DMs shouldn't do and can't do. No. I think that that is something that a DM can do to make the game better. I just find that the balance of if I don't fudge dice rolls at this point and just go like, cause I used to do it in the, in both ways. Like, Oh, I don't want them to hit for that nat 20 or, Oh, I don't want them to miss with that crit one. If I just let things lie the way they are, then it kind of equals itself out with those difficult moments and those easy moments combined. But mm-hmm. I find, I found myself in the past upping HP to monsters I found myself pulling out sweet moves to make encounters uh, difficult. And I think I still do that to an extent sometimes. Um, and I don't, I, I fully think that that can be done well and can be done <laughs> right, but it's definitely something that needs to be done with a balance. And I definitely also think that there is a realistic attribute to doing any of those things that if you do it in a poor manner, and if you, your players can see your shock and you're like, Ugh, and your frustration that your players will start to very strongly and probably rightly suspect that you are fudging things and you are changing things on the fly. And I think as a player, that's often quite frustrating as well. Mm-hmm. So I think all that stuff needs balance. And I don't think mm-hmm. I've answered your question with an answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've just thrown out there more frustrations and more things to be careful about. But I, I can resonate so, so much with that frustration, especially in mm-hmm. this is the final encounter. This is the battle. Yeah. I want I want that. I want that stress to be there. Uh, and it's it can be really it can be a feeling of failure when it doesn't happen. But, yeah, I think, Josh, you I mean, what you were saying is so true, too, like learn from it, (laughs) walk away from it. Don't kick yourself. Don't beat yourself up, but just learn. And I think we continue to learn. We continue to get, try to get better at it. And perspective is everything. Keeping your head about you and keeping your eyes on your players rather than just on your own plans and realizing that they're loving, totally wrecking your awesome, big monster thing. Yeah. (laughs) And, and so even though it's not it's not the it's not the the thing that you had intended for it to be, it's still this really cool thing. And that's what I love about D and D is you can't even if as much as you're the DM, you can never plan what story ends up getting told. And so it it all ends up kind of I feel like mapping itself out really cool if you if you let it. Yeah, that was that was gonna be what I said. Like one thing that I I mean. Mitch, after our first the first campaign that I did in the Dragon Wars, and you like were taking on this big black dragon, Evanor, by yourself because you were so pumped up. That was my feeling was like I'm a complete failure because I ran this dragon wrong. Like the dragon had to run away. Dragons don't run away for their life. Like that doesn't happen, right? But like, one thing that I learned from that was when I looked around the table, like I'm I wanted to be on the side of my players, and in that moment I learned. Everybody is smiling, especially you, Mitch, because you are taking on a black <laughs> dragon that's flying away. This is this is what I live for as a DM. I love to see my players smile. And and sure, if if the dragon was supposed to be stronger and it flies away because it's because it's not doing well, 
that makes her a great story that the you know if there was ever a cameo for this character for Karab or whatever that would be the story that he's telling the time that the black dragon flew away and that's what makes it worth it for me because it makes stories inside of the world that I continue to think I'm going to play in for a long time and so I just had to I just had to realize like I I'm on the side of my players it's not a if something doesn't go my way then you know it was a failure. It's no, we're everybody's having fun. I just have to get over myself in this instance because it's making for a great story. And that quote unquote, I want to say failure led to extreme frustration in my mind that ended up being one of the greatest moments ever for me too, because for Karab, who was taking on that dragon, that dragon getting away and flying away was frustrating because it could go faster than he could. And I just remember feeling extreme, extreme failure in that moment that I didn't take it down and using my last couple fireballs. And it was like fireball one, still flying fireball two, still flying fireball three. And Ebenor goes down in a ball of flames and like there was the between each and every one of those rounds, I was sitting there with frustration of like, I failed. I didn't beat it. <laughs> the dang dragons flying away. And that moment at the end too, of like the switch around and like you, like whether that was the health it had or whatnot, like you going, you know what? This is the moment that the character, the, this big, big bad dies was definitely a rewarding thing. I think for me. And I, I remember everybody else around the table, like being like, I think we all cheered at that moment that that dragon fell out of the sky and it was, yeah. it was not a failure at all. Yeah. That's weird. Cause I, you know, I hadn't ever thought about that, that like one moment could be failure for both people yeah. that turns out to be something great. I, I never even thought that that was possible until you told, you told me that side of the story. So that's pretty cool. So what about let's, let's be honest as DMS, the ones running the story, the ones running the game, a lot of times the consequences for failure is something that we pass out uh, to our players, that we resolve, what does this failure look like, all that kind of stuff. So my question is, is failure the same thing as punishment, and why? So to clarify this a little bit more, a player misses their attack or a player and we're going to talk about this but crit fumbles a player fails to do a stealth roll in a very dangerous spot as the dm we're the one who determines what that crit fumble is we're the ones that determine what the enemies do in that moment when they notice the the rogue sneaking into their camp at night we're the ones who determine exactly what that failure is and so is failure the way that the DM punishes is it synonymous with punishment? I don't. I don't think it is. I think those are pretty different things. To me, failure is 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 cause and effect. It's you know what I mean. It's it, as a DM, it's 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 my responsibility to to respond to what you just did. It has nothing to do with with my omnipotent power. It has. It only has to do with the fact that I'm the referee of the game, and so you just you know you just fumbled the ball. So the ball's fumbled. It has nothing to do with with me having anything against you. I do think there are times that a dungeon master does punish a character, but it's usually because <laughs> it's usually because that person is being a, a total butthole. <laughs> or you know, it's like is 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 I there's it's really funny to me when when a player starts to make fun of the DM, 
You know what I mean? Like when he's like, he's like, ha, 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 I just beat your guy. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Totally like lording it over you. And I'm sitting there going like, oh, no, <laughs> it's, here it comes. And out of nowhere, a, a, a flaming barrel falls on you. You explode and die. It's like that's that's more what I would say is like like di- uh, punishment. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with the story of the game. It's just the dungeon master getting some emotional uh, expression out. Probably has some other things they need to work on. If yeah. that's the if that's the way they handle the situation, <laughs> they need but, to get get the right people uh, at the table, or or you know, ha- take a hit to yeah. their pride. You know, for me, I don't know if I would say punishment is the word I would use, but I do think that failure in situation warrants a consequence of some sort. Yes, whether that's a good consequence or a bad consequence. Most times when we're rolling for something, or when players are rolling for something, it's because they want to do something in particular in an instance, whether it be picking a lock or sneaking into a tent or trying to slash at an enemy that's trying to slash back at them. For me, I like to think of it as like there's something that something bad that could happen in this situation, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. So in the instance where you fail a, you know, lock pick or something like that, you could have the crit one or the failure or whatever be the locks or the the pick snaps off in the lock. But luckily, the person that was behind the door like you may have gone into a situation that was, you know, you didn't know who was going to be behind the door. You just know you had to steal an item. And inside it's like an old time rogue who like loves people when they try to break into their place or whatever. Like it could be a good consequence. The person then learns something from that situation or nothing happens. Like mm-hmm. you could just have nothing happen whatsoever. So I don't know if punishment, like something bad having to happen to the player is necessarily what has to come from a failure. But I think everything that we do roll for kind of has a, cause and effect if the situation allows for it like if you're chopping a tree down in the forest and there's nobody around to get hit by it and you fail at chopping it nobody sees you like nothing really bad happens at that point your axe might break but you can always get another one of those type thing you know so i i don't know if punishment is necessarily deserved for every failure but i think some sort of consequence or effect could happen in most situations and i bring this up in that and using that phrasing of punishment because i kind of think that there are players out there and i think there are dms out there as well that do see it as punishment and i don't think that's a healthy way for both the players and the dm to think about failure and the consequences for failure we mentioned it a couple times in the show but the the dm is not against the players there they should be on the side of the players that doesn't mean we don't put obstacles in the way we don't put difficult situations in the way that certainly like you guys were saying doesn't mean that if we are controlling a world filled with as real of people and problems that we can fill it with that there aren't consequences to certain actions. There certainly are. If you're sneaking through an orc camp at night and you crit one and you hit a bunch of pots and pans off of a stand or whatever it is, and the orcs just kind of like pop their heads up and like, are just like, ah, leave that guy alone. It's only one. He can sneak around. That's ridiculous. Like that doesn't, make any sense but i think that there is a a healthy direction that we can move towards as dms and making our players whether it's just telling them like you know i'm on your side uh and having that kind of conversation with them and not looking at as punishment towards the players and like ruining who their characters are and i think this what this whole episode is about is both 
the players, like helping our players understand that there is fun and failure and understanding ourselves as DMS that because failure happens happens, that doesn't mean that the fun needs to stop. Like, how can I make this as the DM? How can I make this awful, terrible moment that happened because of a bad role or because of a bad thing that a PC did? How can I make this more fun for my players, even in the midst of failure? And I think if a DM is running a game and every time a player rolls a crit one or their PCs make a decision that we in our own minds and there I know fully well with my players that there are times where I'm like that doesn't make sense that decision is going to end up in bad consequences and they're thinking this is a brilliant decision and there's just difference of opinions but if we're looking at it in the sense of you didn't do what I wanted you to do and thus it is time for me to enact punishment upon your character that's a really really unhealthy way to look at it and so i mm-hmm. i think that's why i wanted to ask that and bring up i don't think it's it's healthy to look at it in the sense of failure and punishment are two same things there's consequences but this whole episode is about the fact that failure can be fun and mm-hmm. working with that so we said that we would talk about it so i think that it's important for us to talk about it i think our listeners have uh, definitely been waiting and want to hear us talk about crit fumbles and we are all dms here but we are also all players and so i think more than even dms right now i think it'd be good for us to talk about our thoughts on crit fumbles as players because a lot of D editions don't have crit fumbles as a standard rule and that's something that i've heard a lot from our listeners that like you guys do crit fumbles it's not standard. Some some people have gone as far to tell us that we're we're completely wrong for doing it that way. But why do we do crit fumbles? I think we all like crit fumbles. Yes. Yes. I like them. Yeah. yeah. So why is it that we, as players and as DMs, why do we like crit fumbles? I think for me, it adds that sense of suspense that can make great story. Like in those instances, like when you see somebody roll a crit one, it's like. Oh man, what's yeah. gonna happen? Like whether you roll it on a chart or whether you roll it, you know, or whether you just the DM makes it up on the spot or you have them make it up. Like nobody knows what's gonna happen in that situation. It could be you simply drop your weapon. Like there's, I'll say this: there's nothing that is going to severely harm a character when we do crit fumbles. Like it's not going to be you sliced your arm completely off because you <laughs> did terribly. Like it's not going to maim your character anyway. But you did roll really low, and I get that it's completely random and completely up to chance. But it, I, for me, if we reward, reward successes with, you know, crits, or we roll, you know, natural twenties with crits, I like the opposite effect because you just never know what's going to happen when all that damage with a nat twenty happens. You never know what's going to happen when you roll a crit crit one. It could be, you know, as simple as you drop your weapon. It could be something like you hit this piece of wood that gives way on the floor and you fall 10 feet down into the basement and now you have to run back up the stairs to where you are. You know, it could be it could be anything. And I think it builds fun and suspense that all of the players can get around because everybody's been in that situation before where they're like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen to my character, but I'm <laughs> really excited to find out. So I think that's why I do crit fumbles. Not to be mean, not to maim characters because they they failed. But just to add a little bit more fun and a little bit more suspense into an already fun and suspenseful campaign. I am a huge fan of critical fails. And I and as a as a player, I both love and hate when they happen. And it's something <laughs> oh yeah. It's something Reed's taught me as as my first DM. But I remember that it would it, it was always my my favorite way that I would see 
and it's I should say my favorite way that I would see other players on the table fail <laughs> was <laughs> was they would like we had an archer and and he critically fails and his at his shot and so instead of hitting the orc it ends up hitting one of us <laughs> and so you create this you create this this tension between the characters that maybe didn't exist before so a lot of times most D and D games I feel like. This is a generalization, but I, I feel like it's somewhat on point. A lot of D&D games that you're going to play are with a bunch of people who are your friends, and you all kind of are cool with the same stuff. You're all kind of you know looking for the same direction. And so I, I'm a big fan of there being tension in the team, that like that you've got characters that are that are kind of that are at odds with each other. And I, I always enjoy, as a player, seeing the kind of disagreements going on and characters not trusting other characters and kind of struggling to find common ground amidst your team so when i see like i i threw my hammer and it hits it's a cue in the back of the head like that and you know knocks him out because the dude never has a lot of health like that to me (laughs) he he ends up going come on and then brenna and sherwood are like what are you doing and and it's 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 greg's fault even though you know the dm said that i did it it's it's really really fun for me to see that kind of tension develop, it creates great, really great story and great dynamic between characters. How often do we sit around a table and we're in a tense moment and somebody rolls a nat 20 and the players at the table are just like, yeah, we did it. Awesome. Get them. Like, uh, especially with a big boss, like all the players are like, yeah, roll that damage. Yeah. Do extra damage. Yeah. Go, go for it. And I, I like as a player and as a DM, I love it when the opposite effect is also happening when a crit one is rolled in a terrible situation. And it's just like all the players on the table take their, just do a face palm <laughs> and are just like, oh gosh. And like, but at the same time, like as a DM, like I can like r- go, okay, well let's make this, you know, it's all about, let's make this into a fun, mm-hmm. crazy things have gotten worse. Let's still make it fun. But I also th- like the idea that it doesn't matter how high level you are, you can still fail. Because mm-hmm. people, like, no player character should be faultless. And if you play without crit fumbles, there's a point to which your modifiers will be high enough that you will never fail. Mm-hmm. You'll never, ever fail at something, some tasks that you're trying to do. And I think that's crazy. I think that the most powerful characters should still at moments have moments of failure and able like even if it's the only way that I fail is rolling a crit fumble. I think it's still good to have that sense of like it could still go wrong. And I I like that. And I think like you guys have been saying, just failure is something that can be fun. And and I always even like as a player just going "Ah, crit one. All right. Let's hear it, DM. Let's hear what what bad things happened to me, and let's see how this makes this situation even worse than it already is. Yeah. So building the tension is great. I like the tension. Yeah. And you can you can fail and go well. At least I didn't critically fail. You know, <laughs> even makes <laughs> yeah. it makes regular <laughs> failure not as bad as it usually would be. Yes, exactly. So Josh, thank you so much for joining us today on the Dungeon Masters Block. We really appreciate everything you do in your sneak attack podcast, as well as the knowledge and information that you shared with us today. So from us to you, we just want to say thank you for coming on. Oh man. Thanks. My pleasure. Thanks for having me guys. And this was a complete failure on your end, by the way, (laughs) but we're going to have fun with it anyways. So, you know, 
it everybody has fun in this situation so josh if our listeners would like to contact you reach out to you and ask you about just your philosophy in gaming uh, in failing in gaming or tell them and i think every listener should do this is tweet at josh and let him know your most awesome failing moment in an RPG, so he can feel better about Greg. <laughs> uh, where can they reach you at? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Joshua the Hippie. It's a name that I've had since I was a freshman in high school, so it's just <laughs> stuck. Uh, I'm def- definitely not a hippie. I'm totally pro-establishment. Whatever I like. Uh, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I like. I like my whatever I, hippies stand for. I like my my uh, my Starbucks. So. Uh. <laughs> the ultimate establishment <laughs> yeah that's at joshua the hippie you can hit me up awesome well thanks again for joining us and we will hopefully have you back on a future episode sometime soon yeah, awesome. thanks josh thanks guys well once again we want to thank josh for joining us and talking about all the ways that failure can be something that is actually really fun chris if our listeners would like to get in touch with us write to us about some of maybe maybe just some of the things that they've struggled with and they felt failure with before and that they just want to talk about that or if they just want to talk about DD in general where can they reach us at you can reach us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com send us stories about how you have failed in the past and it's turned out to be one of the greatest things that has ever happened to your DD game you can also leave us a five-star review on iTunes. All the five-star reviews that we get will be read on the air in a future episode, and they help us get out in front of people that may be interested in checking out the show. So every five-star review helps. And you can also find us on Google Play Music and also on Stitcher and various other podcasting apps. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMs block. You can like our Facebook page. If you want updates about the show, that's the place to go for you. There's also memes. There's also just D&D and role-playing stuff all around. So follow us at both of those locations. We have a Patreon member shout-out of the week. And this week's Patreon member shout-out goes to... Miles Ellis. Thank you so much, Miles, for your continued support of us on Patreon. Miles is a feared silver dragon, so fear him as he's scouring the forums for all kinds of useful information. Maybe that was even him in the inkbrush conversation. (laughs) You never know. So thank you so much, Miles, for your support of us. The Dungeon Master's Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network. Check out other shows such as the GM Showcase, Story Arc, or We're So Bad at Adventuring by going and searching Block Party Podcast Network on iTunes or by going to blockpartypodcastnetwork.com. Well, with that, that's all we have for you on this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place that we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people around the table. Have a good night, everyone. And keep on Dungeon Mastering.
How do you guys handle that? Well, I, I don't do alcohol, but... it's <laughs> um, a good I way to start. That's, that's what some people turn to. <laughs> Is that your no. advice for Chris and our listeners? <laughs> no. <laughs> Goodbye.